Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, Hot Take Hot Box episode 102 of this glorious and illustrious podcast. Quick little check in to discuss the events. That occurred this past weekend. We got the Phillies 1-1 knotted up. Coming back to Philadelphia for a Game 3 tonight. Which could or could not happen due to Mother Nature's impact. And the rain that is scheduled to happen tonight on Monday the 31st. Happy Halloween out there to everyone who gets goes crazy for Halloween. Not a big Halloween guy because... Well, I'm not going to do any hating. I'm just not a Halloween guy. All right, you know what? Leave it at that. Okay, so... The latest report we're hearing uh, about tonight's game from the glorious, honorable, and never wrong Bob Nightingale. Uh, This is a tweet from around 404. Uh, This is about as updated as I can get while I'm doing this podcast. Is MLB officials, after meeting for 30 minutes, which they did have a meeting at 3.30, are next scheduled to meet with the Phillies and Astros at 5 p.m. to determine whether they will try to play tonight's Game 3 of the World Series. They are hoping for a final decision no later than 6.30 p.m., which is going to suck for people who are making the commute down there or, you know, are thinking about going to the game or have tickets to the game. They're going to have to probably drive down there, hopefully, to you know, park their cars, pay to park their cars. And then while they're sitting in the parking lot, they're going to find out that the game's not going to happen, you know, which... And it's going to be a huge game. I mean, if you do have a ticket, you are are one of the lucky ones. Excuse me, the... The ticket raffle or whatever they want to call it, drawing, lottery, whatever sort of word you want to use for that, was quite the event. People attacking each other on Twitter saying they're not real fans. All these real fans aren't getting tickets and whatnot. It's just people screaming into the void for no reason. Allow people to get upset at whatever they want. And then, you know, oh, what are you gatekeeping? Um, I'm going down a wormhole. I'm just sitting there scrolling on the comments of tweets of people having huge fights. With people they've never met before, which is always an entertaining thing for me sometimes to just get caught in a wormhole of arguments on Twitter about any topic that you can imagine. I mean, even politics, anything. I just love watching people argue with people they've never met before, never will meet, and people with uh, Rick, Rick and Morty avatars that are having these enormous arguments. So I digress. Let's get back to the Phil's. As I mentioned, and as you all already know by now, the Phils are tied 1-1 with the Houston Astros in the World Series, coming back to Philadelphia for Game 3. This is a Houston Astros team who has not lost a game in this postseason coming into this series, and the Phils were able to pull off a miracle upset comeback, whatever you want to call it, on Game 1 on Friday night. Phils were down 5-0 to start the game. They did not get a good beginning start from uh, Nola. Nola was getting hit around a little bit, gave up two home runs to Kyle Tucker, which he had four RBI, uh, four of those five RBIs. Looked like the Phils were in well over their heads and they just didn't never quit like they like this team has done all season long. They have true true team of destiny vibes. I've been saying that for uh, uh, this whole playoff run. This is not the, this is not what they've done all all season. I, I I guess I shouldn't say that because 
this is what they've done this season, and it's been since Rob Thompson has taken over. They have had this never-say-die mentality. They are never out of any baseball game. They believe in their ability to come back. They believe in their manager. They believe in their teammates. They believe like There's just this unreal and certain belief that in any situation, they are going to find a way out of it. And it seems like, for the most part, they have... Not only all postseason, but down the stretch, uh, you know, not maybe not September, but in large portions of the summer, they were they that belief carried them for, through you know multi, double digit game win streaks and things of that nature. It, it, it has been the driving force to turn this season around for the Phillies, and you can attribute that to a lot of different things, but mainly that seems like the catalyst for this has been when they fired Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson took over it. They, they had, they looked, they have looked like a different team ever since then. And that is, it seems like truly based off just the belief that they have. Cause it's not like the skills changed. They didn't make these massive moves. These players were here in the beginning of the year and they weren't doing anything in April and May. And then when that, when that move was made and Rob Thompson was made the interim manager just the, uh, a switch was flipped, and this team turned into a different team. And especially now in the playoffs, they have turned into a completely different team. Because you have a guy like Schwarber who's been there and done that. Although this team doesn't have the exact same World Series experience that maybe the Houston Astros have. But honestly, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference based on how these first two games have played. I mean, even in that second game, when they not, you know they weren't necessarily in that game for large part. I mean, they never were out of it completely they were threatening the whole back half of that game you know they weren't able to able to hit uh Framber Valdez for most part but they were getting on base I mean the first inning he threw 25 pitches like they were they were in the game even though if they even if they weren't necessarily in the game if that makes sense didn't get your best stuff from Wheeler that night but let's start with game one obviously like I said Nola didn't give you give you his best stuff and Going into the top of the fourth inning, they're down five nothing, and you know the, the you can just see the vibe in the in the stadium has changed. They think that they're going to waltz their way to a victory. I mean, people talking shit on Twitter, chirping. You know, it's I was at a bar where a guy was acting like a, he had a Philly shirt on, but he was acting like an Astro fan, yelling, "There ain't no real Philly fans in here." It just is starting to get a little ugly. You know, it's getting a little ugly, but that didn't affect the Phillies and the the, the ball club whatsoever they were never in doubt of what was going to happen and they were never going to quit and give up right like i said they're never truly out of these games you get an rbi from castellanos which is set up by two singles from reese and bryce harper you get a castellanos single that scores hoskins and then the big hit of the inning was a boom double into the gap which scores two runs and now it's 5-3 and it's a completely different ball game and that's what I kind of talk about when in you know in these ball in these baseball games in this postseason. Although it's not the end of the world, and the, the whole momentum thing is you know could be fake, it could be real. Uh, listen, the, the Phillies go it gets kind of clamped down there in that in that top of the fourth. I mean, this was fresh off of the Kyle Tucker three run homer that kind of just stuck a knife right in our chest. It just felt like oh my god, like this. Is this really how game one's going to go? We are going to get boat race just absolutely dog walked out of this building. And thanks for coming. And we're going to have to like all everything on the line on Saturday night for game two because we have to win one of these games before we go back to Philadelphia. 
And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the case because, like I said, top of the fourth. And, and another thing was Verlander was perfect through the first three innings. He was nearly untouchable. He was untouchable. And, you know, he was getting a lot of strikes and lots of swings and misses and foul balls off that fastball. And he kind of went away from it or wasn't exactly getting the same effectiveness from it. And it seemed like a lot of the hits and a lot of the Phillies, you know, big hits and runs came off of hitting uh, off-speed pitches, the breaking ball, the curveball, you know, things like that. And that's where they found their success. The double, like I said, the double deep left, and it's 5-3. It completely shifts the momentum back to the Philly side. Although they're down, they are not out. They have not given up. And then JT, of course, with a huge double in the top of the fifth to tie the game. A ball that basically, off the bat, looked like it was gone. And it scored Marsh and a rumbling, stumbling Kyle Schwarber, which is amazing when that guy puts the Jets on. It is an absolute treat and sight to see. But this is what it sounded like for the, on the Phillies uh, broadcast of JT Realmuto's game-tying two-run double. Verletter looks back at Marsh and delivers. Curveball hit in the air. Left center field. On the run is Alvarez. It's deep. Back toward the wall. Alvarez won't get it. It's off the bullpen door. Marsh will score. Here comes Schwarber. He'll score. It's a two-run double for JT. Yes. And the Phillies have tied this game up at five. That ball was crushed by JT. Yes, it was. Huge. It's his fourth and fifth RBIs of this postseason. And the Phillies down 5 nothing, have climbed all the way back. And, and just because of not being here for so long, it's, it's tough for me to gauge. Is that is it high enough? Has it got a chance? But It seems like a lot of these guys had their troubles like, judging the whether. I mean, I, I personally had trouble judging whether things were going to be home run or not. On both sides of the ballpark. Like, I, I mean, we'll talk about game two, but I thought Schwarber's home run was gone for sure if I hadn't seen his reaction when the ball was hit off the bat, right? So, and even that thing down left field, I mean, you can't tell Schwarber's playing uh, balls off the wall and he's like, you know, you think he's going to get it and the ball just keeps carrying and carrying and carrying and he jumps high as high as he can and the thing's still three, four feet above him, you know? So it's just a, it's a weird, weird ballpark, it seems like. And after that, it kind of got a little bit slow in regards to runs. That was the last sort, you know, that, that's the top of the fifth. And then it became sort of a bullpen slash pitcher's duel, right? So Phils go to Alvarado in the fifth inning, I believe, the bottom of the fifth, which was a huge move because rarely do you see him come in that early, you know? Uh, and I think even someone said, Thompson had said that on the on the mound when he was taking him out to the players, like, I've never brought him in this early, but this is the playoffs. This is you know high leverage situation. You have guys on base. You need him to go get Alvarez. Uh, Alvarez is their easily their you know uh, I guess other than Tucker their deadliest left-handed bat. He gives them an inning. Eflin gives them an inning and a third. Suarez gives them two thirds, which is crazy that they're bringing in one of their starters, but. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and it's something that he's gone to, especially late here in this postseason, and it's definitely not the wrong move because it seems like Suarez is the kind of guy that can handle these situations. He talked about how he's calm, cool, and collected in all these high-pressure situations, 
and there's no guy you really trust other than him. I mean, he this is a guy they were using to close games a couple of years ago, right? And even last year. So it's not uh, it's not a crazy situation for him to be in. He doesn't get worried or bothered by any of these intense, intense moments. And then they get you know an inning and two thirds from Sir Anthony Dominguez. He was electric on Friday night. And then David Robertson comes in for a sketchy, sketchy, sketchy situation and gets out of it eventually. But I did want to play a couple of the uh, clips. This one is a huge play. I mean, Sir Anthony was in trouble. He had Altuve, I believe, on second. Oh, there's a little bit of a uh, uh, sneak peek there. But this is Castellanos' catch to save the game in the bottom of the ninth inning. Jeremy Pena up to play, uh, up to bat. Uh, right before this was Altuve blooped in a single right ahead of Marsh because he misplay he went took a couple steps back was late breaking in on the ball and just kind of misplayed it overall and it comes down to this two outs in the ninth inning and Jeremy Pena up against Sir Anthony Dominguez. Here's the pitch, swing and a fly ball right field coming in towards the line. Castellanos still coming, he slides, he caught yes! it again. Shades of Atlanta as Nick Castellanos lays out. And he keeps the Astros off the board here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Oh, my heart can't take this. Great catch, Castellanos. Knee first, sliding towards the line. And we're going to play extra innings. You're damn right we are. And that was huge. I mean, you can't you can't put a, a value on how huge of a catch that was. The game's over if, he, if that ball touches the ground. Altuve scores with ease. They're celebrating. Cannons are going off. It's it's a completely different series. And Castellanos made his mark both on the field and with his bat with an RBI in this game. You know, and it's a guy we've been asking and begging for. We need more from. You know, we we need him to come up in some of these big situations. We need him to make his mark. We need him to, you know, earn that contract. I guess is for lack of a better way to say it. And he comes up huge, and, and everyone has played a role in this run and in these playoffs. And now, in the, you know, he he has made his mark here, not only in the NLDS but in this World Series with huge defensive plays. When that was supposed to be their deficiency or something that would kill them, and he it, it just absolutely comes up huge with the play of the you know the play of the game, especially the defensive play of the game. So then. Uh, the Phillies come up in the top of the 10th inning. JT Realmuto is leading off. He's able to work a 3-0 count against Luis Garcia, who's bobbing back and forth on the mound, which is one of the most ridiculous deliveries I've ever seen. The Astros have some funky dudes coming out of that pen and starting games, rubbing their palms and whatnot. So this is what it sounded like for JT Realmuto's enormous Game winning, as it turns out, but taking, you know, game leading, taking the lead, home run here in the top of the 10th. AT waiting on the 3 2. Garcia steps, kicks, and deals. And it's swung on, hit well to right. Going back on it, Tucker to the track, at the wall. He jumps, it's gone! Yeah! AT yeah. with an opposite field home run just out of the reach of a leaping Kyle Tucker. And the Phillies take the lead here in the top of the 10th inning. 6-5, Phillies on top. Just enough to get it over the wall, and a leaping Tucker made a heck of a grab at it, but out of his reach. Woo! And a big fist bump between Harper and Real Muto on the on-deck circle. 
Here comes Harper. And that was awesome. It really was because it, it just completely shifted everything. I mean, the, the, the bar up is that the place went absolutely nuts when that ball found its way over the fence. And you didn't know because it, it was it seemed like, it, again, like I'm talking about, you can't really tell. I, I knew that he got it, but I didn't know if it was going to get over the fence. And he was tracking it. And it looked like he could have a play on it because Kyle Tucker's fucking huge. But he I mean, he jumped and he kind of didn't get the uh, good enough leap. But, I mean, that ball went two, three rows into the seats. It looked like it bounced off someone's face and came back in. Phil's lead 6-5. And then they have a you know a, a, some nonsense. They they work them they work themselves into a little bit of a jam there, in the t uh, I'm sorry bottom of the tenth. Da David Robertson is an absolute high wire act when he's out there. It, it is insane. But he strikes out Jordan Alvarez to start the inning off. Bregman hits a double. Then he strikes out Kyle Tucker and walks Yuli Gurriel, which. Which was a good move because he just didn't seem like he was in the Guriel at bat whatsoever, and you didn't want to necessarily walk him and get yourself into trouble. Then you have uh, Diaz come into the game. Uh, Aldemus Diaz he comes in for Trey Mancini, who apparently can't get a hit all of this playoffs. He's just absolutely been a, a no show, which is uh, unfortunate for him, but great for uh, us and everyone who's played them so far. Because you need some sort of relief in this nasty lineup. But he leans in on a pitch and was just like a very blatantly, which honestly could have been called a strike because uh, he leaned that far in. And, I mean, it probably wasn't a strike had he just let it go, but it seems like you should just penalize him by, now nah, you're not allowed to do that. Even the, ump, the, the hot mic caught the ump saying, you fucking leaned into it, which he did. He did. And uh, he's, you know, now it's 3-0. And you would see, you you would think that he would take another pitch because he had just walked the guy before. But he has a 3-0 green light, which is insane, absolutely insane. And he swings over a pitch low, which could have been called a ball and would have loaded the bases. But then, on I believe it was a 3-1 count, he wins the game for the Phils and grounds out to the third baseman in Mundo Sosa. Robertson kicks the 3-1 pitch. Breaking ball grounded to third. Sosa gloves it, sets his feet, fires across, yes! and he got him. And the Phillies take game one on the road in Houston. A 6-5 extra inning win as David Robertson gets the save after walking the tightrope in the 10th. You can say that. I think I've squeezed all the pulp out of my hands. Yeah. That was, it was oh so nerve-wracking. It's the largest comeback win in Phillies franchise history in the postseason, yep. erasing an early 5-0 deficit. And the Phillies beat the Astros tonight on JT's 10th inning homer. And David Robertson getting the same. It was final awesome. Out it really was. Off the bat of Aledmi's Diaz. And, yeah, like, they... Really, in earnest, had no business winning that game. Uh, given the Astros' track record, especially this postseason, being down five runs, I mean, that against a world-class team and being in the World Series, these two these are two best teams in the in Major League Baseball, two best teams left. And for them to just make, make that comeback, never say die, and continue to fight on is why we've fallen in love with this team over the last, especially month. 
but uh, you know, over the respect, you know, over the course of the summer, and especially when Joe Girardi was fired, that cha- truly changed everything. It was the catalyst that has brought on all this incredible baseball and all these incredible moments that we've gotten to experience down the stretch here. Uh, game two did not go as it was not as sunshine and rainbows. Wheeler was in trouble immediately. Uh, there was a run scored on the by the second pitch of his outing. Gave up a single and then a double or in, in, in either one in reverse order. But Phils don't get a run until, I believe, the eighth inning of that ball game, which was uh, not a good situation. Uh, they, they don't score. Uh, let me make sure I have the accurate thing. Oh, no, they did. They scored in the seventh. Seventh, and then they score in the top of the ninth. And they almost get some big runs in that eighth inning with Schwarber almost kissing one off the foul pole. And we'll talk about an absolute tease that was. I thought that ball was gone. And, uh, you know, the first one, especially what I thought was gone, is he's walking around the bases, and then there, there's a discussion saying that's a foul ball. Then he comes back up and hits one to the literal fence with Kyle Tucker standing on the fence. And ultimately, the Phillies just come up short. They could not make that five-run comeback two nights in a row. That's nearly impossible to get a team to do. Framber Valdez was uh, good. He was very good. He had nine strikeouts, only walked three, four hits. You know, he he just was he was very sharp. He was able to get himself out of a few jams and any sort of trouble that he was in. Roll a double play here and there. You get an inning and two thirds from Montero, and then Presley closes the game out for the Astros, which they they you know they got a little sloppy there towards the end. Pena flipping the ball to Altuve, who wasn't covering second uh you know honestly I, I didn't take too much stock in game two I didn't get too worked up because I, I mean I, it's upsetting I, I I'm not gonna lie to you I'm not one of those people that's like well we came here we did our job you know we got the one uh, it was upsetting to lose game two especially with Wheeler on the mound I thought for sure they would be at least in the game and give a much better performance but it's kind of a kick in the nuts when you get your best pitcher comes out and gets shelled you know gets hit around like that a little bit and Kind of a couple mistakes here and there, and the Bregman home run was sort of backbreaking because it seems like that's they could have maybe stayed in that game had that not happened. That makes a three-run game a five-run game, and that's that's just a completely different spread. Uh, you know, have had they come in the ninth and they're down three-one, it's a totally different vibe. But maybe you could sneak sneak a couple. You know, maybe another run across the plate, or maybe you know, just the feeling might be different. Maybe something crazy happens. You don't know. Okay. But that that just seemed like you know it, it just it's too tall of an order. It's it's a tough task to pull off two nights in a row, you know, even at all. And the Phils come up short in game two, and now it is game three. It's on the game three. They have announced that Syndergaard will pitch tonight. Uh, we will see if that changes. Uh, if I were them, I pro- I mean, I, if they are moving this back, I I would not be against them just throwing Suarez in game three. And having Syndergaard be his, you know, the the guy, the, the first guy out of the pen, just, just doesn't seem like something they've been willing to do or comfortable doing. I don't know how long they're going to go with Syndergaard. It seems like they don't trust Syndergaard for more than two innings, which I really don't get why you got him if you weren't going to be able to trust him for, uh, you know, longer stretches of games. And it seems like it's been, ta- you know, it's taxing to your bullpen and taxing to your starting rotation to only have two guys who can go length in games. 
but you know, and and Suarez, but they're pitching him out of the bullpen now, so he can't even really go as long as you'd like him to. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I it's just see, it, I'll, I'll see. I really don't think they're gonna play tonight, given what I've seen from the weather forecast and all the different. Just uh, just you know, I, I am again not a weatherman, but I just seeing the Doppler. You know, shout out to the Doppler radar. Uh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It looks like there's a storm that's going to keep coming. And had this game go any long, you know, later into the night, they're going to have to call it short and come back tomorrow and play it. That just doesn't seem like something they want to do for the World Series. So I think they will opt to move it back a little bit and have the games played Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week, which would ruin our Eagles night off uh, to watch the Thursday night football game. But I think we will all live given the fact that there's a world series going on. So the, again, astute, knowledgeable, and always right. Bob Nightingale has come out and said, if tonight's game is, is postponed, the MLB will likely still have a travel day on Friday. That would be after game five for the two teams moving potential game six to Saturday and game seven to Sunday at Minute Maid Park. The next update again should be in the next five minutes. Uh, we shall see with that. You guys will have to read about that. If I'm still on here, then maybe I'll be able to read it for you, but uh, I don't know if I will still be here by the time that is all read and done. But listen, I'm still feeling good. I, I, le- I left Houston thinking that, this team is human. We are 100% on this team's level. They are not that much better than us if they're better than us at all. And I have no problem believing that we can take these next three games. I, I truly, truly believe that. That is not the biased fan in me. They are no different than any other baseball team. And every baseball team that has walked in here in this in this postseason has melted. So until I see otherwise, this is not the Bronx. This is not Seattle. Okay, Seattle's got a nice environment, but th- this it ain't it ain't close. It's not the same thing. And when you're coming here playing in the cold, playing in front of these r- ravenous, crazy lunatic fans that we that we pride ourselves in having, it is a different feeling and a different environment. So we will see if the Astros are able or you know are up to the test. They are a true world class championship team. They will cheat their way to victory. So maybe they will have something cooked up to counteract the fans. Uh, who knows, right? You know, you never know. But uh, a lot of shady shit happened in that game too. Illegal bats being used, and uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that was like cheating as much as it was. I mean, it just not supposed to use. It. I, I saw there was like a player safety issue that the battle splinter and uh, whatever. Uh, Valdez changing it. I don't think you should be allowed to change your cleats and gloves multiple times during the game. That's just me. I don't know why that's allowed. You're rubbing your palms, rubbing your hair. It just it was a lot of nonsense involved in Framber Valdez's start on Saturday night. But what are you gonna do? You can't cry over spilled milk. They came up short, they did not get the job done, and now they will move on to game three, which hopefully is placed tonight. If not, it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So quickly, before we get out of here, the Eagles took care of business big time yesterday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 34-13, to 13, if I have that score correctly. And I do not, because it was 35-13, to 13, but uh, I'm not going to make too many. I mean, they're 7-0. So, uh, you know, if this had, had these Phillies not made this run, this, would, this whole podcast would probably be talking about how great the Eagles are and 
This is we know we are on a historic run, but I told you before the season they're going to go thirteen and four. I believed in this team just not only based off the re- the schedule, but just how the adjustments that this team made, and the you know I told you it was all going to come down to Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts again has shown he's made those strides and he's proving me wrong every week in and out uh, continuously because he is now making dime throws in the pocket, putting it right in the breadbasket of AJ Brown. AJ Brown had three touchdowns yesterday. And just they, th- those two just dominated the game. The, with those three touchdowns, they won the game. And the defense continues to be a factor and continues to just, again, dominate football games over and over and over again. And the, 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 the or Jesus, I'm just calling the Sixers, but the Eagles are rolling. They are 100% rolling. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they are a shell of the organization that they used to be. I was talking to some fans yesterday because I was at the game. They, were, they want to fire Tomlin. And, you know, they miss Big Ben and, uh, you know, their offensive line's garbage and they're not the same without TJ Watt, yada, yada, yada. But listen, at the end of the day, it's just the Eagles are that much better. And they're going to do that to a lot of different teams in this league. It, it doesn't make a difference who you are. Uh, but the Steelers, it just seems like it is crazy to say. I mean, they resorted to throwing up the six. Pittsburgh Steelers fans turned into Cowboy fans in the middle of the game. That was sad to see. Sad, sad to see. But, uh, you know, yeah, the Eagles dominated again. They have a game this week against the Texans on Thursday night. I'll be back in here to talk about that at some point because we will have some Phillies to talk about as well. But uh, maybe we will. it'll be a little bit uh, skewed or overshadowed, I guess I should say, by the Phillies and their, uh, and, and their whole ordeal. I mean, shout out to the Union as well. Go playing in the MLS Cup this week. So... It's a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. Sixers have kind of turned it around playing some garbage teams, and the Flyers were number one in their conference or in, in their division for a little bit there. So that's just a different vibe here. It's a different energy here in Philadelphia now. So you should get on board while you can. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna if the train's gonna leave the station, but the it, it's just a it's just a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan, especially for all those out there. And I know there's a lot of you who listen who have lived through some bad times have lived through some, you know, just some 10-win Sixer seasons, some 4-win, 5-win Eagle seasons, Philly seasons with Eikhoff and Pavetta, and maybe this will be different this year, and obviously the Flyers, you know, and whatnot. And if you're all, all you out there, the Union fans, you know, you, you've seen you've seen this team grow from the ground up and, and turn it around. So it is just great to experience all of this now, and hopefully they can get this game in tonight for my own personal selfish reasons but if not uh it'll be good i guess to get another day off maybe help our pitching staff and give you know nola wheeler and the boys a little another extra day rest uh, even suarez another day of rest and we shall see what the phillies do if they change any of the uh pitching order or what happens but again my official prediction they don't play tonight i hope they play tonight but i don't think they will play tonight and I think we were going to be playing tomorrow night, game three, Tuesday night. And that's that's it, baby. That's it. Uh, shout out to the Eagles again. Uh, I know I kind of skipped over them a little bit. But, again, they, they, they came out of the bye and they took care of business exactly the way they should. Uh, Jordan Davis, high ankle sprain. He, he'll probably be out a couple weeks. But the Eagles are so stacked on the defensive line, especially with the addition of Robert Quinn. I didn't even really talk about that for, you know, basically nothing, a fourth-round pick. And they'll just it gets an, another pass rusher. I guess we'll see if the Eagles are able to make a trade for a running back. Doesn't look like Kamara is going to happen. 
I could see that maybe getting Kareem Hunt. Looks like Kareem Hunt could be on the move. The Browns want to move him for a fourth-round pick. That seems like a price that can be paid, especially by us. We have uh, those those late-round picks in abundance. Maybe he's able to swindle him out of there for a little bit cheaper, but can't get too greedy. It's not really, and you don't really even need him. I, I think we could even use a lesser end running back, uh, just to sort of back up Miles Sanders, because Miles Sanders has been unbelievable this season. And I don't even think he, they let him get going as much as they really should. It seems like a lot of game well in Boston Sky yesterday, but there's really no need to overextend him in a game like that. Uh, you know, I mean, you saw the, the touchdown run that they were able to get him uh, going. And even a Zach Pascal touchdown. Jalen Hurts has just been on fire, man. He really has. And, uh, you know, it's not their fault that they're not playing the highest level of competition night in and night out uh, with, with the way the schedule was made. But... They've been up in double digits but in every game that they've played in this season. So there's no reason to believe that they can't do that on Thursday night against the Texans. Texans have a good defense, though. And they don't really have a great offense, but they have a good defense. It's a short week. Funky shit can happen, but I don't think it will. I think the Eagles move to 8 now, and they take care of business. But we will break that down a little bit more later on in the week. Thank you for joining me, as always. Go Phils. I, don't, I wanted to just get a little check-in here for everyone out there. Uh, I love you. I, I, and I Go Phils. Go Birds. Go Sixers. Go Flyers. Go Union. And go Hot Take Hot Box. All right? So we'll be back sometime later on in the week. And enjoy the World Series. Enjoy the games. And enjoy the ride, baby.